Hello, and welcome to another episode of Around the Gavel. I'm your host, Sarah Morris, and today we're going to do part three in our litigation series and, and talk about dispositive motions. What does a dispositive motion mean? Well, a dispositive motion means that it's a motion that you file generally at the end of discovery after you've already obtained all the facts and documents and information you can from the other side and you think that you can win the case, then you file what's called a dispositive motion, meaning it's a motion that is going to literally convince the judge that you win and he's going to go ahead and grant you uh, what's called summary judgment in your favor, meaning that you don't need to go through a whole trial in order to win. He's going to say you have enough law and facts on your side that I'm going to go ahead and say you win, essentially. So that's what a dispositive motion is. They're generally motions for summary judgment. They can also be motions to dismiss We did talk, I believe, a little bit about motions to dismiss. Those usually are filed in the beginning of the case before you answer a complaint. If you think that the other side doesn't have a case against you and there's no way that they could actually file the case they did, then you would file a motion to dismiss. Very rarely you file these things at the end after discovery if you're able to prove or show that there's absolutely no way the other side has enough facts or law to win a case, um, then potentially you could do a motion to dismiss. But most of the time we're dispositive motions. We're talking about motions for summary judgment. So these are filed, like I said, generally after the close of discovery, because at that point you have enough information that you can try to convince the judge that you're going to win the case. Sometimes the judges, sometimes you might file them just on certain causes of action, not on the entire complaint, because normally a complaint has more than one cause of action, meaning more than one claim that you're making against the other side. So sometimes you see that people file motions for partial summary judgment, with the idea being They want to convince the judge that at least they win on one count, right, or two counts, and maybe there's still a few left outstanding for the jury or the judge to decide at trial, but they try to eliminate as many things as they can before you get to the actual trial for the parties themselves. Because what happens is if you're the plaintiff, the defendant's attorney has an opportunity to depose you, meaning that they're going to bring in a court reporter to record everything you say, and they get to ask you questions. Of course, there's limits on the types of questions they can ask you, but any question essentially that's relevant to the case, they can ask you. Your attorney will be there and be able to object if there's any improper questioning, uh, but it's sometimes very daunting for parties to go through this because especially in a personal injury case where they don't want to relive the accident. They're going to have to go back and relive the accident. Um, And they also, a lot of people don't like it when things are being recorded and you've got a court reporter there recording. So this is an opportunity for each side to get gather information. That's what discovery means. You're gathering, you're discovering things about the other side, gathering information to prepare for trial. The other thing that happens within side the discovery process is people hire experts, right? So um, personal injury case, you're going to hire possibly if you're the defendant or even the plaintiff, you may hire an accident reconstructionist so they can reconstruct the scene of the accident and opine on whose fault it was, for example. That's 
a type of expert. In personal injury, there's also medical experts. So especially from the defense side, they're going to probably hire a medical expert to review all of the plaintiff's medical records and opine on the cause of her, his or her injuries and whether they were caused by the accident and how bad they are and whether there's supposed to, should be any future, future treatment, etc. So um, experts can be very expensive, as you probably know, just by the name expert, you know, they're definitely charging by the hour, they're charging a lot of money. Um, and this is where uh, litigation in general you know, you hear this, or at least you should have an idea that litigation can be very expensive, time-consuming, and costly. Well, that's because think of all these things you, you have to do to, to build your case. You've got to do written discovery. You've got to do depositions. You may have to hire experts. When you hire experts or the other side hires experts, keep in mind that everybody's going to be deposed. So that's additional depositions, additional attorney time to plan and prepare and attend to those depositions, plus paying the expert. So this is why litigation can be very, very costly, and it can take a long time. Once the discovery process is complete, then we move on to what are called dispositive motions, which I will talk about in part three of this four-part series. So I will talk about that next time I'm on here. Until then, please stay safe and healthy, and I'll see you next time. Bye.